welcome to another Charity Chat podcast. I'm Osman Mughal and I'm delighted to be speaking with two guests today. Huwaida Alashkar, non-for-profit strategic business consultant at Emhance and Emhance's CEO, Alan Moody. Emhance is an organisation which has helped over 100 non-for-profits and charities with digitally focused solutions. Emhance helps organisations of all shapes and sizes using their digital expertise and provides tailored support. Whether that is reporting and tracking return on investment on certain areas, optimising fundraising campaigns, using built-in reporting systems to provide more effective grant management, managing volunteers and donations, or turning one-off donors into lifelong supporters. And in light of the introduction of GDPR in recent years, Emhance has configured a solution to ensure that organisations are compliant and can support them in this regard. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Today I'm delighted to have not one but two very special guests with me today. Hoeda Al-Asghar, non-for-profit business development manager at Emhance and Emhance's CEO, Alan Moody. Welcome to the show. Thank Great you. Great to be here. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you both on. And before we discuss the work that you both do at Emhance and the way that you've supported the charity sector for a number of years now, I wanted to allow our audience to get to know you both a little bit more, um, to understand that the roles that you've held previously um, and understand about your background and also what motivated you and attracted you to the charity sector. So, um, Alan, if you could go first. Sure. Um, so I think probably everyone can hear from my accent. I, I hail from north of the border. I, I grew up in, in Scotland, in Aberdeen. Uh, but then I spent 15, 20 years living abroad, uh, mainly in Europe, but a little bit in Africa as well. Um, and then joined Enhance two years ago, having worked in software and, and having spent some time overseas. It has been to reflect that we're lucky where we live. Uh, we're very, very fortunate. Um, and from a, my position as being CEO, a real desire to, to make a difference and ultimately to accelerate um, as many charities as possible to deliver their cause as fast as they possibly can and, and to be a real, a real source of information, but a source of knowledge and also a, a valued partner. So that, that's, that's the real driver and fortunate to meet some amazing people along the way as well. Thank you very much, Alan. Hueda, would you like to give a brief background into your experience and the prior roles that you've held and what really attracted you to the charity sector as well? Yeah, sure thing. Thank you. So, um, thank you. My name's Hawaida, but everyone just calls me Howie because Hawaida seems to be really hard. Um, you may recognise my accent as being Australian because that's where I'm from. I was born in Australia and I uh, migrated over here last year. So, back in Australia, um, I worked in corporate mostly. Um, I worked across telecommunications and a lot of software companies. Um, Around 2004, when I graduated from university, and my siblings and I, we got together with some friends and we decided to start up a charity um, with the focus of helping the orphanage overseas in Lebanon and Syria. Um, even though there was lots of charities, we just felt that um, a lot of the money wasn't going directly to the charities and to the kids in need. So we set up this separate charity and we volunteered our own time. So we didn't pay um, a, a we didn't pay a salary to each other. We just said we'd meet up once a week. We'll delegate roles. I took on the marketing role. 
doing events and fundraising and it, it was it's interesting to think that we did that without social media it was before facebook before twitter before linkedin so it was just really hitting our local networks our friends and our families and their friends and friends of friends so um we were able to do a, a real impact i think because what we did was we took the money over there when we were visiting and we spent the money directly on goods so buying towels for children we bought clothing we bought them school books and, and pens um, and you, just to be able to see the smiles on their faces and see the difference that you make you know it, that kind of lasts with you forever and it was something that i knew i always wanted to be involved in fast forward a few years later and i joined um, microsoft partner barhead solutions and, you know, I started off doing corporate accounts and then I worked with my first charity. As soon as I worked with that first charity, I knew straight away that that's where I wanted to be again. Um, it just felt right for me. Uh, working alongside the sector, um, seeing them helping people, being part of the community, understanding that technology really can um, excel the social impact. Um, it, it gave them back so much time. It gave them back the ability to, uh, uh, look at different areas where they could be helping out. So, so it made me realise that um, while I can personally make a difference and I can volunteer my time and I can donate money to charities, being able to help charities become more efficient, more effective and, and run more leanly means that they can deliver more services to people, which is what made me passionate about the sector. And, you know, everyone that I work with is so lovely, everyone's so kind and everyone has that one focus is like, how do we give and how do we help other people and how do we make a real difference in this world? The reason why I chose MHANS um, as a company to work for is so when I was in Sydney, I knew I was gonna relocate. I did my own research and I knew I wanted to stay in the charity sector and I knew I wanted to work for a Microsoft partner. Um, and I did my own research and I came across MHANS and, and I followed them for a little while. And then I reached out to Alan and I sent him uh, LinkedIn message saying, hey, um, my name's Howie, you know, I work in the NFP sector, I, I run the practice here at Biohead Solutions and I'm coming over to the UK and I'm looking for a new home and uh, I've looked at all the work that you do and I want to be part of your team. Um, and I was a bit scared because, you know, he's the CEO and I thought, oh, you know, is he going to respond? And, you know, fair credit, it, Alan responded straight away and he said, oh, look, I'd love to have a chat with you. Give me a call when you land in the UK, find your feet, any way we can help, we'll have a chat. Um, and then when I did come over and I met Alan and I met David um, and then I met the rest of the team, it, it became really evident straight away that there was a real culture at MHANS that doesn't matter if you're on the senior leadership team, if you're in support, you're a consultant. Uh, everyone that works at MHANS really is passionate about the charity sector. They're, they're, they want to give, they want to help any way they can. And, you know, it's so refreshing to have a company and, and work with a culture like that where it is about giving back, it's about community, it's about supporting one another. So internally we work really close together, but you know, then we work with our clients just as closely and we work in the charity and in the community. Um, and just some of the initiatives, you know, the, the haircut for charity that Alan came up with and everyone just got on board and we backed it. I, I've only been at MHANS for eight months now and you know I absolutely love it because of the culture because of the people um I, I work with some great people really skilled but you know at the end of the day they're people that want to help that's brilliant to hear that and 
it's fantastic to hear the passion that you both have about our sector and using your skills and expertise, particularly in the digital arena, to make sure that you leverage those skills and increase impact as much as possible. So that's fantastic to hear. And a lot of our listeners and audience won't have heard of Mhance before. So I just wondered whether you could give a brief outline of what Mhance does and how has it supported the charity sector over the last 20 or 30 years? Mhance has been around for, for um, many, many years, um, 30 plus years. It's, it's, it's changed its name a few times. Um, and really the, the, the journey with the, the charity sector started nearly 15 years ago, um, actually originally in Ireland with, 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 with Oxfam. Um, a, the way, what, what, what does Enhance what do? Um, fundamentally, it delivers, uh, develops its own software, uses Microsoft technology uh, predominantly. Um, and then having developed our software, we then obviously sell it, more market and sell it, but then we, we spend a lot of effort in, in uh, using consultants to make sure that, that the benefits um, are delivered and people know how to use the software. And then we don't, once we've delivered that, we then make sure we have a, a large support desk. So fundamentally, we make sure we build products which will help to address issues and challenges to make sure charities can move faster and, and deliver their cause better. Um, that we deliver that and then we um, support that as well to make sure that every pound is well spent um, and then every user, be it an employee, a volunteer, um, anybody who's working or, or engaging with the charity from a digital perspective um, gets, a, gets a fantastic exp uh, customer experience. So in terms of core software, um, some people will recognize finance or an ERP system or a CRM system. Um, those are our core softwares. Increasingly, people will hear of, hear of cloud services, meaning that the technology is, is available on any device. Uh, we offer that as well. Uh, we have around about 120 employees um, based in either the UK or in Ireland. Uh, and we have you know, a growing charity base, which we'd like to be, uh, we'd like to buy that. Uh, but also by doing that, we're recognizing that the diversity both of what charities try to do, what they need to do, but also the challenges are, are, are mixed and varied, which keeps us on our toes. Thank you, Alan. That's a brilliant overview um, of Enhance. And we know that COVID-19 has impacted every section of society. How have you responded to COVID-19? I'm assuming that the need for your services are going to grow in the next six to 12 months and even longer term because of the importance of digital. How has COVID-19 affected your organization and how have you responded to that need? So, you know, obviously COVID-19 is a, is, is, a, is a tragedy that's affecting the world. Um, for, for us, the, the biggest impact was we could no longer go to the office, which meant we could no longer meet people face to face. Uh, we had to do everything remotely and, and, and utilize technology to that, to that end. So we, we now use Zoom like we're using now, uh, but also we use Microsoft Teams uh, and we're using that successfully. In some ways, we're, we've been fortunate because you know, we are technology enthusiasts at heart and we've been quite accustomed to using these tools um, day in, day out anyway. What we have seen is a lot of uh, charities and other organizations um, are realizing that unless they've been in the office, they, can't, they can no longer get access to their data. So 
that means there's been a challenge around business continuity, but also security. Um, so we've seen an acceleration in people recognizing and, and seeing the need for the ability to access information on any device in any location. So remote working, flexible working um, is something that's definitely accelerated. Um, so to that end, where our priorities have changed somewhat in terms of ensuring that we have embraced that technology ourselves, uh, but also to ensure that we have the ability to deploy and deliver those services and products to charities of all sizes, not just to the large charities, but to the, the, the smallest of the small charities, smallest being um, just down to one person who's starting a charity today. Uh, we now have solutions available that helps and will help a charity of, of every single size. So we've accelerated that, that effort to really help um, the sector um, address the most chronic of challenges, which is this. The, anyone who's had a, a retail arm, be it um, on the high street or some kind of form, formal way of fundraising, those really have um, ceased to exist in their traditional ways. And so it's now created the need to have a digital service, which we, we now provide. And that's, that's what we're both excited about, but also that's the biggest response we've made to the sector so far. Absolutely. And I, I certainly agree with your point where you mentioned the importance of supporting the smaller charities as well as the medium and larger size charities, because it is as important, particularly during a COVID-19 crisis, where the smaller charities are under a lot more pressure for them to reach new audiences and therefore uh, potentially gain more substantial fundraising income. I now wanted to move on in terms of this, the number of organisations um, and the size of organisations you support. And we know that there are quite a number of different organisations like Enhance in the sector, providing digital and online tools. And I wanted to hear from, from you, what is the difference at Enhance? What, is, what do you portray as your unique selling point? And how do you support those organisations throughout their journey with you and also afterwards? With any organisation that commits itself to the charity sector, there's the fundamental aspect of we want to help, we want to assist wherever we can. Um, we're no different. Our mission is to get behind the charities and to help accelerate that positive impact that they have in the community. Digital projects, you know, need to be treated different. They're not just transactional, it's entering a partnership. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we need to support initial conversations, listening to what the charities are struggling with, what are their short-term wins that we can help them gain? It, it's very difficult, especially with the smaller charities, because a lot of them don't have the in-house IT skills um, to manage their systems and software. So, you know, they exist to help the community um, and their admin is probably, and the systems is the last thing they think about. So we are really trying to um, embrace that sector, especially that small um, entry-level charities and, and by doing so we're, we're building out products that enables them to have little to no IT required where we can work with them to um, implement software really quickly and train them on how to use it um, and it means that it means less investment up front it means a very quick turnaround deployment so we're not sitting there for weeks and months you know we're talking about days um, and, a, and a few weeks to get things up and running. We've released the NFP365 range. Um, we, this year we did the bronze, silver and gold, and that's for your accounting packages. 
We also, during COVID-19, we released an NFP365 accelerator. Um, you know, that's free software that's available on the app source. It covers your fundraising, your donor management, volunteers and events. So we're really trying to create an, um, software and products for, for the charity sector, especially the small ones that are struggling to enable them um, to collect their data, to store their data safely, to be able to report. I mean, we, we understand that in order to apply for grants and get that funding, you need to be able to prove where your money is going, where are you spending the funds and what is the impact. And without data, you can't actually do that. So having, having a place to store that data, but then also having the tools to use that data effectively and, and to be able to show your funders where you're spending your money allows you to go back and ask for more funding. So we are really working with the sector to understand, you know, where can we help the most? So where can we provide the most assistance? Um, and I think what we're trying to do really in that aspect is have those conversations, open those lines up. Um, even if you're a small charity, you think you have no funds, call us, chat to us. You know, th this is supposed to be something where we can, you know, teach you and educate you about what is available, what is available within your budget, what can you work towards? what stuff that you need to do internally. I mean, before you even start looking at software, there's a few things that you need to be looking internally at doing, getting your information organized, you know, um, understanding what you need to achieve. So we work with the charities in that sense. And we also like to run webinars to educate, you know, to show them what is out there. It's, it's really about having that open communication and saying we're there we're, we're here to listen we're here to help you you know don't feel afraid that you know we're just trying to sell you something we actually just want to work with you and help you to continue the great work that you do in the community and, and that's why we exist is to support you thank you Hueda. and it's really refreshing when you allude to having a partnership with charities and uh, making sure you understand their individual needs because as you know the sector is a massive sector and every organization has its own needs even if they're large organization medium organization or a small organization so it's really impressive and refreshing to hear that you at mhance want to understand the individual needs and therefore tailor the packages towards the charities that you're working with also, during COVID-19, we wanted to support our charities, um, not just from a technology perspective, but also from a funding perspective. And so um, Alan worked to get up a haircut for charity fund uh, where we all donated, you know, if you're doing a home haircut, the money that you would have spent on having your haircut, we donated to a charity fund. Um, we asked small charities to get involved um, and then at the end of the month we distributed, distributed all those funds equally um, to the charity. So we, we, we want to support them and let, let them know that we're always by their side. That's a brilliant way to put it. Thank you, Hueda. I know that M Hearts has worked with some of the biggest charities in the UK um, since it's been established and some of the medium and smaller organisations you both have alluded to. I wanted to give you both the opportunity to share some of those successes. So if somebody's considering contacting Mhance to review their digital portfolio, how they can increase engagement with their donor base, for example, what kind of 
successes can you show that MHeart has allowed other charities to gain? So, um, as you said, the charities are uh, vary in size, um, but also in, in where, where they operate. Um, and we, we've been fortunate to work with many international charities, and when they've gone on or started the journey around digital transformation, many of, many of the reasons um, are triggered around grant management and ensuring the ability to report that the money being given is being spent the way that has been spent where it should be spent. Um, it also allows for business continuity to ensure people are safe, um, people are accessing the information and, and fundamentally uh, helps the charities to increase the level of trust that they have both in their home markets when they're fundraising uh, and, and getting and applying for grants, but also the, in the actual countries where they operate. Um, when it comes to other charities, perhaps more in, in the UK, um, it's been a fascinating story for, for many in terms of, uh, as I alluded to initially, is how to help drive new income streams, how to engage better with a younger generation who, as we all know, sit around with a with a, a mobile phone in their back pocket to engage with them successfully. Um, but we also have a number of charities who have reported back to me um, the following, which which is this, that they are as all charities are, they're, they're reliant on volunteers and volunteer management is important and engagement there is important. So uh, protecting people's data is important. So things like GDPR is important. However, the, the difference is this, which is by engaging with volunteers in a digital way, um, not just email or text, but actually engaging and, and encouraging to become closer and, a, and a, even a stronger supporter of the charity. What that then is happening is there's a better quality um, and a more digital savvy volunteer getting involved, which is engaging with the charity um, employees. And what that is triggering then is that the number of um, digitally savvy uh, employees is improving um, and the quality of that employee is improving. And, and as a consequence of that is that the fundraising efforts are improving and the, the quality of the charity is improving. So it becomes a bit of a vicious circle which says, like undertaking digital transformation um, and looking after both an improved way of, of, of generating income, be it grant management or just traditional um, fundraising, um, but also improving volunteer management. That is then triggering a better quality of charity staff, which is then in, as a result triggering a better quality of charity um, from a digital perspective. And that, as I said earlier, which is ultimately that's driving um, the increase and of performance in terms of income generation, efficiency gains, which ultimately drives the ability to move the cause forward at a faster pace. And it's not specific to one charity, that's been um, almost like a, almost a, a standard feedback I've had. In terms of quantifying that, we've had some people generate 50% more income and make 20% um, efficiency gains. So really quite significant. Thank you, Alan. Would you like to add anything, Hueda? I think it's mostly what Alan was talking about. It's um, taking on a digital transformation project, you know, um, when you fix the foundation, everything else that follows through is a game for you because it, it just follows through cleaning up your data, having your data centralised, having it in the spot, in, in the right place where you can access it. Having things that allow you to capture data um, means that the user experience for your internal staff um, in, within the charity and also the, your donors 
it, it just allows you to be more engaged. It allows you to have more information at your hands so that you can start to look at trends, start to look at insights, start to understand where you should be investing your time um, and, and where you should be looking to open up new channels of revenue. So I think across all charity sectors, I mean, I, I recently I've been talking to the, the smaller charities even about um, how important it is that they have a system that they can use from home um, to, to be able to interact with each other, to collaborate on data, to be able to run reports. I think the biggest thing we've seen is that the need to apply for grants, um, but having the reports, having the data accurate, um, being able to have those insights um, and they can run them instantly is where it's making a difference between a charity getting the funds and not getting the funds. Something that's come to my mind is a topic that I've discussed with many in the sector, particularly during the COVID-19 crisis. And it's you, you as an organisation have worked with the charity sector for a number of years, as we've already discussed. And do you think that the charity sector is behind the curve on this? when it comes to incorporating a sustainable and effective digital platform within its organisation to make sure that it can measure insights and understanding of the work that it's done and the impact that it has on its uh, beneficiaries? So I think the very short answer is yes. Um, I think in some ways, unfortunately, uh, the charity sector has been slow to embrace and, and adopt technology. Um, as you know, we're a Microsoft partner, um, and you discuss them. We're fortunate to be uh, part of their Technology for Social Impact um, global group, so we get some we get some interesting information from them. And the information is, is that's probably most revealing or interesting is um, their Microsoft's belief is that there are over four million charities throughout the world, and and right now there are only two hundred thousand um, actively embracing technology. Um, so that means that the vast majority of charities are not embracing um, either the latest technology or technology in a consistent way from a, from, a, from a charity perspective. It may well be that they're using it from a personal perspective, but as, as we are aware that that creates issues with regards to personal emails, personal data, etc. So um, do I believe that the charity sector is behind the curve generally? Um, it absolutely is. Uh, we are fortunate um, and believe strongly that you know, we are working to the point of providing the right kind of product at the right kind of price to make sure that it's no longer a barrier. So the, the barrier is more accepting and acknowledging that, that technology is part and parcel of our day-to-day -day work and our day-to-day -day lives and not to be fearful of it um, and to embrace it. I would have to agree with Alan on that one. I think... Um, you get both ends of the spectrum. I think with the larger charities, uh, a lot of them will have legacy systems sitting there in there that they, you know, bespoke systems that they were built years ago. Um, and the, the thought of moving off it and migrating to a new system, you know, seems really big. And the, it, they just think, how can I do this? It's going to cost me so much money. So uh, th there's that perspective of the old legacy and having all that data seen there, migrating data across. And then at the other spectrum where you have the smaller charities that think they can't afford um, software and there's a misconception that it's cheaper to be on-premise than it is to be in the cloud and that it's too expensive to use technology um, and I think that's when people have to take a step back and think, right, you know, 
what am I actually investing? What am I getting back? Um, and if, if you're gaining back all this time and you're gaining back um, an ability to get more funding into your charity and ability to engage better with your donors, then I think that's the value there. Um, it's a very small investment for the small charities. For the bigger charities, it's more about understanding about how a migration path really, uh, because they need to think about it as a journey rather than one day we're on this platform, next we're gonna be on that. So it, it's just about working through all the different um, organisations and the charities and where they're at. So you both touched on the financial impact and cost for both larger organisations, medium-sized organisations and smaller organisations when embedding a new digital software within their organisation. But I think it's really important that you both touch on the importance of a long-term investment but do you think COVID-19 and the crisis has accelerated this change? We know that digital was always the way forward. Do you think COVID-19 has, has made organisations stop and think we really need to move far more quickly than we're currently doing? And it's also accelerated the change at senior management and trustee level? I do in terms of, I think, I think there's, a, there's a difference here, which is the, the sense of can I afford to do what's right? but also an understanding of what is right. Um, so I think pretty much everyone I speak to realizes and understands that uh, technology, digital transformation in the cloud flexibility is the right way to go. The, the challenge that pretty much every charity has now this year, this budget year is unfortunately their, their income has, has reduced. So there's a real fear about spending, spending the money. So it's, it's a bit of a catch 22. Um, the, the ones that are probably most fearful, I would say, are the ones who, who do have ha or have had as much as 50% of their income um, being reduced because of the lack of uh, traditional fundraising or, or, or retail outlets. Uh, so they're the ones that um, I, I genuinely fear for, which is, which is worrying. Uh, but that's really in some ways why we're here today to say, don't worry, get in touch with us. We do have solutions which will help um, and help any, a charity of any size to... to to engage better, to become digital, to make some efficiencies, to ensure you have the right reports, the right, the right data, uh, and the ability then to further your cause through better volunteer management, bet, better income generation, uh, and the like. Um, so I, I think um, that's, the, that's this, this challenge right now, is reallocating money that was going to be spent elsewhere. Um, so that's, that's been, a, um, I would say, the nervousness but we certainly, on the basis that we've accelerated our product development, our product range, it is because we're seeing the demand increase as well. Thanks, Alan. Hawaii, would you like to add anything to that? Um, I was just going to say, I think um, the conversations more that we are having is that more honest and transparent conversations as well with the charities. Um, whilst a lot of them know that they need to move um, to the cloud and they need to digitalise, uh, what they want and uh, and being realistic about the cost of things as well is also a, a conversation that we have to be transparent about. Sometimes it's re-educating them to understand that they really don't need all, all these bells and whistles. It, it, it's more about how do you get the fundamentals right. Um, and we work at to see what's the most cost-effective way to give them the most value. Um, 
and it really is sometimes shaving some of the scope of work that they want to do or they think they want to do and recognizing that you know to do it in small phases um, invest a little bit get the ROI on it, get the value, get the um, funding, um, get people using the system, uh, get your data in shape, and then do it in, in incremental steps. Um, if you can't afford to do it all at once, you will still see the value. Actually, you probably see more value because you'll be doing it slowly and adopting it along the way, and you'll be able to then recognise where you need to invest um, more funds in. So I, I definitely think it's the conversations are starting now. More charities are coming forward to talk to us that originally thought there's no way we can afford to be on Microsoft. How, how can we go on Microsoft? To now is we have a bit of money. What can we do with it? You know, this is what we need to do with this. We're having these conversations, which is it is really refreshing to hear that you know they want to move forward and they're coming to us for advice because they trust us to tell them that, you know, this is how to use the funds wisely to get the most um, uh, value for, for the investment that you're about to make. That's a really good point. And I, the organisation I work for is currently undertaking digital transformation in terms of its CRM. So we're getting a, a more up-to-date CRM in place. And one of the most important aspects of organizations working with organizations like yourself is the personal touch having somebody at the other end of the phone so what I wanted to understand from you both is when somebody picks up the phone to Emhart and says I really like to understand what you have to offer what what does their journey look like do you go in and review what systems they already have in place how does that happen do you go and review and speak to them about these are the options and have that open discussion. It'll be really good to for our audience to understand how that's how that journey works. Yeah. So um, initially, we were just having a conversation to understand, you know, what does a typical day look like, um, and you know, what systems are you using currently, and how do you use them, and and from there we we start to draw up a bit of a journey map, and we start to understand right, okay, we we have you know these many people working fundraising, and their job is to do this, and then this is how they use the system, um, and then we might have another grants team and. The, they use the system a bit differently and this is what they need to use the system for. So there's a conversation really around the systems that they're currently using and how they use it. But then we step back from that and we start look, asking about the actual process that how do you engage um, with, with your clients? How do you engage with your members? How are you engaging with your donors? Um, and so it becomes a different conversation because sometimes we need to step away from the actual system and the software and understand the engagement that we're having and what is the purpose. So if we understand what your mission is and what your social impact is and how you're delivering it now, we can start to work together on, you know, what is the right solution for you? Um, but first we need to define that process and define the, the people within that process and um, understand if we work this way last year, does it make sense to continue working the same way this year? You know, last year we were all doing client visits, we were doing, you know, um, events out in the park and now we're in COVID-19 where we're restricted. We can't go um, and see, we have to do online sessions. So a lot of the services I talk to, they're delivering their services and counselling um, through Teams, through Zoom, one-on-one. -on -one. So it doesn't make sense to keep operating the same way you did last year 
this year because things have changed and things will continue to change. So it's it's understanding and trying to predict, I guess, what the future might look like and the future way of working. For your audience is going to be what type of um, programs do you think you may have to run in the future? So it, it is more than just having an actual conversation about systems. It, it, it's taking a step back and going, right, talk us through your organisation. How did you get here? You know, who, who are, who's involved in your organisation? Who do you talk to? You know, who are the funders and, and who are the people that you help? Um, and how do they come to you? So it's exploring all that. And, and through that, we, we start to define um, some different journey maps of, you know, the way people will come into your, your charity and the way people leave and how you report on it. And then that's how we come to a, a solution or a system solution, so to speak. And then once we've done that, we, we have the system in place. We start looking at reports. What reports do you need to do? We do a bit of reverse engineering. So if you need to have this information reports, we have to capture that information somewhere. Where does it make sense to house that information? Where should it sit? Who needs access to that information? You know, is it GDPR compliant? Um, are we capturing gift aid if we need to capture gift aid? So we start to look at all those things and then we start to plan together, right, now this is the solution. This is how much it's going to cost. This is what is required from the charity internally from the skill set. So, you know, a project team, you know, do you have a project manager in-house? Do you have a data manager in-house? Um, you know, who's going to be the lead? Who's the steering co-committee? So we, we, we need to also define those in, in terms of training. How are you going to provide training? Are we, are we going to do train the trainer? Are you going to be able to then to take that information and then train the rest of your organisation? So. There's a lot of things that need to be thought of when you go into a digital project outside of just systems. And uh, that's what Enhance does. So, you know, we, we think about all the other elements that attach themselves to a software project and make sure that we bring it in so that we're walking into this together in a partnership. We're transparent. Everyone knows their roles and responsibility and we work together towards a mutual goal. That's brilliant, Hoveda. Thank you. Alan, do you want to add anything to that? So, yeah, I think the only uh, thing that's, um, it'd be good for your listeners to understand is the, almost a little bit about the culture of, of Enhance. Um, so it wouldn't matter who you speak to within Enhance, uh, that we all have a deep empathy towards the sector. Uh, and we do that through dis different initiatives. Um, one that we have is something we call Be Good, Do Good. And that essentially enables each and every one of us to spend one day per month um, at a charity of our choice. So it's not one charity or a chosen charity, it's, it's up to the individual employee. That really then helps to ensure that culturally we have a deep understanding and a better understanding of the day-to-day -day challenges um, and have fundamentally an empathy towards the sector, which, you know, working for in the charity sector, it is a unique culture, as we all know that. So you know, we, we are doing our best whilst we're Whilst we're techies, whilst we're solution people, whilst we're system people, we do have a deep understanding of the, the uh, within the organisation uh, of the cultural requirements to be successful as a charity. Brilliant, thank you. That's another excellent point. And I really like the point that you mentioned, Hueda, which it seems to me that you provide a holistic approach to solving the charity's issues. It's not just going there and implement a new software. It's really understanding the organisation the training, how that will impact the way they collect information, etc. And it's a critical point that you mentioned that you must 
at points stand back from the software and understand what is the overall goal, what are we trying to achieve here and almost work backwards on that. And then your point about culture is incredibly important. You know, again, you understand the sector so well. What I find admirable is the fact that you both and M Hearts as an organization, from my research into it as well, yes, you are you're passionate about digital, but you're also passionate about the sector and you're using your expertise in the digital world and mixing that together with the passion you have for the sector, which can only benefit the sector. And if somebody wanted to find out more about Mhance, what you do, where can they look? Uh, I know that you've got a, a website. Can they find you on Twitter and all the other social media channels? Well, definitely. So we um, on nfp365.com online. You can also email us at sayhello at mhance.com. And otherwise, you can give us a call. We're on plus four four zero three three zero triple seven one nine double five. It was a pleasure speaking to Hawaida and Alan at Mhance today. They spoke with so much passion about Mhance's mission and aims, and how they want to use their expertise to support organisations and the sector to achieve even more. What I was extremely impressed with is their knowledge and understanding of the sector and the tailored advice and support they can provide organisations. You can find out more by visiting www.mhance.com. Thank you for listening, and that leaves me to thank our corporate sponsors, Giant Squid Audio Lab, sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Aksumit for our website design, RRYAR Photography for our pro bono images, and Forrester Fools, who have been playing throughout and are playing us out now. Mm-hmm.